Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Step into the story that uh, Quentin read for us this morning from John's Gospel. Again, John chapter 9, this beautiful story of Jesus healing a man blind. Very, it's a moving image, right? Like the playing in the dirt and the mud and the, like, it's just a, it's crazy story what happens. And an interesting parallel to uh, some stories we read uh, earlier, or or maybe like a counter to some stories we read earlier. But uh, for reasons that I hope will become apparent as we step into the passage, um, uh, by the by, the end of the morning, hopefully it will become apparent uh, I, uh, how this is relevant. But I saw a theme. I heard someone kind of uh, uh, breaking down this passage, or you know, writing about reflecting on this passage. And, and as a theme, they landed on the phrase "Karma is dead, Jesus is Lord." This is this was their summation of what the story is about. Karma is dead, Jesus is is Lord, and and and. Uh, you know, I suppose it's an occupational hazard for my children, but uh, occasionally I talk about what Sundays are going to be about with the family, and generally it's like glassy-eyed, like eye rolls, please move on, daddy, right? But uh, when I was telling the story, and you know, the mud, and it kind of held their attention for a few minutes, and uh, we were just kind of chatting about it, and I, I referenced, uh, obviously this was to just, was like, oh yeah, I heard someone describe it like, um, I read that karma is dead, Jesus is Lord, and one of my kids was like, who's Carmen? And, uh, yeah, right. Who's, who's Carmen? And, you know, it's a good question, I suppose, and it's in its own right. Uh, but, but clearly sort of misses the point of the story, which, uh, which turns out, I think is pretty on point for the story that we've just read because, right, because as, as we walk through, so we've only read 14 verses. We've seen Jesus and the disciples and a man born blind. We've seen his friends get involved and then we've, we've kind of stopped and it continues on for another 30 plus verses. Again, I wanted to read them all this morning, but the Super Bowl is this evening and I wanted to be respectful of party plans and that kind of thing. So, uh, so we stopped it here at verse 14. But, but as you read the story, it's worth a read if you want to go back and read it later. I think you discover that, that all over sort of the scenes of this story, you might could call this a case study in missing the point. Right, that every character, it seems like, in this story, uh, this account of Jesus seems to be missing the point. And I think you see it, I think we see it first in, in all the questions that are asked. All right, so where we started was Jesus and his disciples that come up on this, this man who, who they know to have been born blind. And we start with the disciples' question. They're like, hey, here's a blind guy, Jesus, who sinned, right? This guy is experiencing this difficulty. Clearly, it's tied to some specific sin that he has done or his parents, right? Jesus, who sinned? And uh, so we start with this sort of uh, strange question that, as Jesus will nudge them, seems to be missing the point of what's happening here. And, and then the story moves a little bit further, uh, as, as Quentin read for us again. Like, uh, we move from uh, the disciples' conversation with Jesus into, like, so Jesus heals the man, and now the man is having a conversation with his neighbors, right, his friends, people at least that knew him to be a part of the scene here, right? Well, they always expected to see this guy who was blind in this space, and they're confused, right? They, they, they like, talk to him and are not convinced he's the guy. In the story that is presented to us, he's like, I'm the guy. I still don't believe you're the guy, right? This can't be true. And over the course of that conversation, they're asking interesting questions too, like, well, how did this happen? 
what, what did he, what did he do to you? Who is this person, right? So they're at least maybe uh, interested, but still just kind of not quite on the, on the same page or aware really of the significance of what has happened. And you read, you keep reading the story. So uh, this, this would take us out of the verses that we read. As a result of their interaction, they take him to the religious leaders, right? They're like, check out, check out what happened uh, here. And so then they begin to interrogate the man, and they're asking, again, uh, in, interesting questions, right? Like, like, well, how did this happen? Tell us again how this happened, right? Like, they're kind of uh, incredulous. They can't believe what's, what, what's happened here. It says, we must have missed something. So tell us again how this happened. What, what did he do to you? How did he open, how did he open your eyes? So they have this conversation, unsatisfied with his answers, we, we, we move into another scene, and they're chatting with the parents, okay? Again, uh, outside of the, what we read, as you continue through the story, they're chatting with the parents. They're like, look, okay, we've talked to your son. Clearly something's uh, afoot here. Um, can you sort of help us understand? And interestingly, his parents, again, is another kind of example. Uh, they, their response, there's a bit of humor in the story, but their response is like, look, we know he was blind, and now we can see Anything outside of that, like, you just got to talk to him. And John, in his uh, account, gives us a little like a parenthetical statement to let us know sort of what's driving their response. And uh, interestingly, they're, 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 he tells us their response is driven because the religious leaders had already made it public that anyone who, who confessed Jesus, anyone who sort of held him up and celebrated what he was doing, they were going to be driven out of the community sent out from the synagogue in a sense sort of cut off from their uh, and their community and support and the parents are like ah you know so again this beautiful thing has happened for their son but they're kind of balancing it with like their place and their role in the community and so ah you know we, well we we're not gonna we're not gonna step too deeply into this this is all we know you gotta talk to him and again it's this adventure really in, in missing sort of the point of what's happening and then out of that, again, you know, the, the, the religious leaders go back to the man, and their question to him, right now they're re-interrogating him, and they're like, uh, their question here is, is uh, right, like, how can a sinner do such, such uh, things, right? Like, and they're trying to make sense of who Jesus is in this man's life. And then the story ends, which we'll, we'll get to in, in just a little bit. Uh, Jesus, who had left, who's left the scene uh, here, right? He's out of the picture. He's worked this gracious work in this guy's life. And then we read all these interactions and he re-enters the scene at the end of the story. And he's chatting with this man. And we find this man asking his own question, right? Jesus is like, do you believe in the son of man? And he's like, who is he? <laughs> Tell me who he is, right? So he's experienced this incredible thing, but it's still not like clear, still, you know, open it seems, but still kind of missing what Jesus is driving at in all of this and, and uh, ask the question, who is he? Who is he? So I think, again, as, as we walk through the story in that way, we see just from the questions that, uh, that this is a story really and missing the point. And all the characters, all the all the the, the actors in this these scenes are are, are uh, dancing around or missing the point. But I I think we see it in another way as well. Uh, I think we see it. Um, I think we see it in in the word sinner in this passage, and that shows up uh, actually in our reading uh, uh, where we right at the beginning it shows up, and then throughout the passage. Uh, I use the word label, like the role of the label sinner in this passage. Not to, not to suggest that it's not real, that it's just a label and it's not applicable, but, but uh, the, the, the truth of the reality of what it means to be a sinner. 
is, is, is really misunderstood throughout this passage. And it starts right with the disciples, as we've seen already. So it's what they do with this label, uh, sinner. They see a blind man, and their immediate uh, question is, well, who sinned? They connect kind of his present difficulty. Well, he must have made some sinful mistake in the past, him or his parents. There's, there's a sort of one-for-one connection. Like his experience of badness now is connected to some singular, like sinful trait or, or action on his part. Right? And, and, and Jesus is gonna, is gonna push back against that. He doesn't push back against the truth of sinners, but this notion of how we apply it, he's gonna push back. I think we see it again a few minutes later in the story. So again, as we leave the passage here and we step into the Pharisees, the religious leaders, conversation with Jesus, uh, they, they, they pick up the label, right? They pick up the title like sinner and they throw it at Jesus, right? They're like, uh, after they chat with the man, they chat with Jesus or they chat with the man again, sorry. And, 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 and in the course of that conversation, the shift focuses, well, the disciples think the man or his family's a sinner and the Pharisees are like, well, no, no, no. Jesus is the sinner in this story. It's really, uh, verse 14, it's like a, a mic drop moment, right, I think. Is that still a thing culturally? I don't know, right? Like, uh, if it is, this is it, right? <laughs> if it is, this is the moment. So John has told us this beautiful story. Jesus is spitting the mud. It's great. It's tactile. It's nuts what's happening. And he, he withholds information until verse 14. He's told the story. We've met the neighbors. And then in verse 14, mic drop, he says, now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Right? John masterfully like, delays this detail of the narrative until we're pulled in and then we realize, oh, there's a whole nother conversation happening here. And as a result of that detail, the Pharisees are like, no, 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 no. Like whatever we may think about the sinfulness of this man, Jesus is the sinner here, right? And again, sort of missing the point in how they understand this label. In the course of their conversation, even with the, with the man who has been healed, they'll, they'll throw that, that same label at him, right? He, he in, a, in a bit of sort of ironic humor, uh, they're, they're, they're peppering him with questions, interrogating him. He's like, fellas, right? Look, man, what, what's with all the questions? Do you want to be his disciples too? Right? And, and their response is, again, just disdain and distaste, like that you could possibly suggest. And, and they respond to him, you who were born in utter sin, Right here again, maybe a step closer, being born in sin, right? Like, but still just singularly applying it to him. And again, missing sort of perhaps where Jesus is going to nudge us in this passage. The parents, as we've seen already, they're afraid of that label, right? This is the label that would have been applied to them as they're driven out, sinful, marked by their sort of association with Jesus, driven out from the community. They're afraid of the label. Even the man himself, right? The man himself, wonders in his conversation with the religious leaders, wonders about what, 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 is, what, is mean, what does sinner mean? You guys are throwing it at this man who's like healed me. He's, he's it opened my eyes to see. And I don't know a lot of things, but I have a hard time applying. I don't know how to apply it, but I have a hard time applying it to the man who's doing the things of, of God as Jesus has done in this moment. There's just all this confusion again about where, where we sort of throw that title. So hopefully, all right, so with the questions, with, with how we apply uh, that language, uh, for my Cliff Notes, terrible Cliff Notes summary of the story, 
here. I, I hope we maybe see a little more clearly that, that, that what, what, what happens here as Jesus sort of reveals our tendency to miss the point. I think we get a clearer picture of how exactly we miss the point. And here's point number two in missing the point. I think, I think we, we, we miss the point. The point this, I don't know how many times I can say it in one sentence. The point this story makes about us missing the point is that uh, we think Julie Andrews had it right. So we came back. I told you we'd come back. She, she's in the sound of music for those of you who don't know. Right? That the way we miss the point, right? the way that our human hearts are inclined to so often get it wrong is that, is that we think Julie Andrews or Maria, soon to be Von Trapp, spoiler alert, right? Uh, is that Maria gets it right. You guys are like, what are you talking about? Well, I don't know if you named all the songs or how many songs you named. I saw Todd get a bunch back there. Um, but uh, are you familiar with the one? Maybe I'll just sing a little bit for you. I don't know. Like, nothing comes from nothing. Anyone? Can anybody finish that? Nothing comes from nothing. Anyone? No? Nothing ever could. No. Yeah, Jasmine, all right, helping me out. You guys are just, you're just trying to make me sing more. Is that what's happening, right? But it's the next line. Can anyone tell me what comes next? Somewhere in my youth and childhood, I must have done something good. Right? See, we, we think we, the, our human hearts, we are inclined, we ache for the world to work this way. That somewhere in my, if life is good for me now, somewhere in my youth and childhood, I must have done something good. And if life is a mess for, for me now, well then, what, where did, what did I do wrong? Right? And this is how we move through the world. I mean, and it's helpful, right? We, we, need, we need structure. We need that. I mean, that's, that's clear in Scripture that, that God works to, to right what is wrong. But this sort of one-for-one application, right, that if, if I've done something good then, well, then I'll experience something good now nothing comes from nothing, right? Somewhere in my, somewhere in my youth, and you guys are all going to go home and watch the sound of music. That will be what you take away from this morning, which will be okay, right? Um, but, but we ache for it. I think we're wired. We're wired for the world to work this way. It's, it's, it's a pull in us. I think it's what lies behind the disciples' question at the start of this reading, right? Something's wrong with this man. So clearly, he made a mistake in the past, right? Nothing comes from nothing. He must have done something bad for, for this bad thing to have been happening to him now. And that's clean, right? It makes sense. It's easily categorized. If we, if we disrupt that, well, then things get real messy, real fast, I'm going to try to use another cultural reference that I'm not sure any of you will relate to, but here we go, right? So if Sound of Music uh, wasn't really doing it for you, can anybody tell me what this tune comes from? I'm going to sing another one. You guys ready? Are you guys ready? Dum, 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 dum. Anybody? Bum, 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 bum. Law and order, yeah. I knew like no one in the room. I knew it. I knew that would happen. But you know what? I just went for it, right? Um, <laughs> So for those of you that know what cable TV is and uh, where you would, you know, go on and watch a show, there's a show called Law and Order, right, with a really, for a a generation that many of you are not a part of, really recognizable uh, theme song that sort of, I can't, I don't know what the instrument is, but it hits it really hard, right, we keep going, but, uh, right, so it just kind of reintroduces the scene, and here's what I think, again, if if, uh, Sound of Music wasn't helpful, clearly this isn't either, but my hunch is like, as we go through life, like that, we we hear, we, we hear that refrain, 
right? We hear it. And you're like, when do I hear that, Matt? Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, maybe suggest where you might hear. I think if you've ever in your life found yourself in a difficult spot, right? Maybe things in life are, are broken and messy and, and you, you've asked yourself the question, what did I do to deserve this? Boom, 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 right? We hear, we need law and, and order. Or if you've ever thought, right, like you're, you're in a situation like, man, this is, this is because, and you, and you go back to some past weight or regret that you're carrying. Sure, there are consequences, but, but in a way that, that Jesus, I think, nudges us in this passage, I'm not entirely healthy. We, 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 we link this present moment and we hear it again. Boom, 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 boom. Maybe in a, more broadly, like you're driving around town and there's been a lot of chat about sort of policies in our uh, metro area and you see someone on the corner like holding a sign or asking for money and the thought flashes through your mind or mine like, what, man, what, 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 what did that person do to get here? What decisions did they make? And, and in that moment we hear boom, 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 boom. I mean, there are all sorts of, of, of ways. I think kind of institutional, broadly, we could go big or small, but, but all sorts of uh, sinister ways, I think, that this pull uh, tugs at our hearts. And it's, this, it's, this, it's our default position that good and bad are, are the, I don't know, meritocratic, right? We, we need to live in a space where there's merits and demerits, and it's clear where they get assigned. Life works in this system. It, it works better that way. It permeates, I think, as we see in this story, it permeates all of our lives, how we relate to each other, how we relate to ourselves, how we, how we relate uh, to God. So whether you're, whether you're hearing the beautiful, melodious voice of Julie Andrews, right, or whether you're hearing Law and Order, which maybe now you'll all go watch uh, some uh, cable TV. I don't know, man. So, so the takeaways from this morning. Hopefully we'll end on something more. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, whatever that music might sound like in your life, I think this story sort of reveals this pull in us. All these characters kind of living in that space. There's, there's, there's got to be this one for one, right? That's how it works. And yet, and yet what we see Jesus doing in this story is turning that notion completely on its head, right? He, he, he takes all of that pull in us and just, just turns it on its, on its head. I, I think we see it in the story from start to finish, right? So at the beginning, which we read, we read the beginning of the story this morning, right? The disciples are like, who sinned, right? And it's somebody, right? And we hear, boom, 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 right? Right there, we hear it. Who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus is like, fellas, buddies, no, 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 right? That, that is not, neither, neither of them. He's like, but I'm going to tell you that even in this brokenness, God is going to work his grace and glory. Right from the beginning, resisting. He's not downplaying sin and its reality and its effects and its scope in the world, but he is pushing back against this notion of like the kind of one for one here in this man's life. He says, you just, look, you got to know that he, even in this moment, God, God is going to work glory and grace, right from the beginning of the story, pushing back. But then again at the end, so then we walk through all these conversations. Who's a sinner? You're a sinner. He's a sinner, right? Everyone, I feel like Oprah, like, he's a sinner. He's a sinner. He's a sinner, right? Like, every, you know, like, we come through the story. How do we apply it? Like, what, what, what's the right question? Where's life here? And we come all the way to the end. Jesus is, is back with this man whom he's healed, trying to help him see clearly. And in verse 39, which we didn't read this morning, two verses away, three verses away from the end, if you go read it later. Jesus chatting with this man makes this sort of summary statement and says, for judgment, for judgment, he says, I came into this world that those who do not see 
may see and that those who see may become blind. And you're thinking, that sounds really harsh. Like, what is, what is he aiming at here? Right? You're telling me, Matt, that when love comes to town, when God shows up in my life, his effect will be to judge, right, in this way, so that those who don't see can see, and those who do see become, become blind. Uh, here, here's, again, I'm going to try uh, to suggest that uh, where we tend to think that Julie Andrews had it right, what Jesus shows us in this passage, what we see is that Jesus has it better. This is deeply theological stuff here, right? Your takeaway this morning, we think Julie Andrews has it right, but really Jesus has it, has it better. Because here's where he's drawing all of us as we read this story, that when he shows up in, in your life and in our world and in mine, when he shows up, he does so in a way that, that exposes the truth that none of us see nearly as well as we think. And that in that process, he helps us to see more clearly. It happens physically in the story. It takes a blind man from blindness to sight. But underneath, all the way through the story, it's, it's clear there's this bigger conversation that, that when he shows up, he, he works in a way that helps us to see specifically that we don't see nearly as well as we, as we think. And in that sense, I think his grace in this moment, the effect of his grace, it's, it's almost a judgment, right? Because in the sense that it reveals. And then in revealing what is really true in your life and mine and the way we so often tend to misconstrue the world around us, that, that in revealing that, there is a bit of judgment that where we think we see clearly, he exposes the truth that, ah, we're much better at missing the point. If I were to put it differently, I heard someone put it this way, that, that in this moment, you could say that God's grace uh, scandalizes our righteousness, that all the ways that we think we're right, that when God shows up and moves in an act of grace, in this case, stepping into the life of a blind man upon whom everyone had put the label sinner. And this is a guy who didn't belong, broken, clearly a sinner. And Jesus shows up in his life and and tells him he's beloved, right? Pulls him in and works in his life. That, that in that act of grace, all of our self-righteousness is immediately like judged and exposed. Judge, man, it, it's a hard word, right? It's a hard, it's a hard word. I, I think we probably hear it. I don't know if you're like me, you hear it and you like, you go back to middle school or high school, right? The world of judgment, right? Where you're just, you kind of, this is like a whole layers of insecurity and everyone's sort of sizing everybody up and you're doing it and you're being sized up and it's just this whole world of insecurity. And man, we, we hear it in this story. Like, man, it just, we hear that word and it breeds insecurity and fear and anxiety. But, but I think Jesus kind of opens a new way into this word in our story this morning, right? This is the irony here, right? This is the trajectory of our reading this morning is that a man who was literally blind at the beginning uh, is able to see at the end, right? A able to see at the end, but not just that able to see that a blind man, uh, a blind man in this story, a blind man is able to see what religious leaders could not. And the irony in this story, right? That, that here Jesus has worked in, in this sinner's life. By the end, he can see in a way that all the people whose eyes are opened cannot. That when, again, what we hear in that movement is that when Jesus, when God in his grace steps into our life, 
as judge. When love comes to town in this moment as judge, it is as the one who reveals, who opens up uh, our own falling short. And I think, again, we hear fear and anxiety in that word, but I want you to consider again what happens in this story. That when the light, Jesus has just said, we'll reflect on this after Easter, but Jesus has just said, I'm, I'm the light of the world. When that light shows up in the darkness of this blind man's life, this man who's been given the label sinner by everyone involved in this story, that when, 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 when Jesus shows up in his life, he, he turns the table, and in fact, this man is beloved and receives healing. Right, through no merit of his own. Right, he doesn't sort of profess Jesus, yeah, Jesus, I know who you are, and, and in response, Jesus heals him. None of that happens. Uh, Jesus works graciously in his life before there's ever any confession of faith. God in his grace reaching into this sinner's life and in that moment exposes all the places in your life and mine where we kind of stand on our own righteousness, where we think the label sinner maybe applies like everywhere else. And in that moment, his light shines on us as well, which I think brings us to the end. It brings us to the end of the story, a really beautiful moment, right? Again, that, that God would reach into this man's life and, and work grace and at the same time expose that everyone who kind of buys into this sort of system of merits and demerits, right, all of that kind of exposed this blindness, God's grace kind of pushing against all that. We move towards the end of the story to this beautiful moment. After Jesus' gracious work in his life, he, he finds him again. And the story, uh, the, the narrative, if you read it, it tells us Jesus hears that he had been kind of driven out. And Jesus finds him, and you know, I mean, he's driven by compassion. He's concerned for him. What, what, what motivates Jesus in this moment to, to find him, to seek him out? Like, again, I wonder how Jesus felt, right? He had worked in this man's life, and the result has been some kind of fracturing of his community. Here Jesus comes to him again. Jesus heard, he says in verse 35, John says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, interesting, his question, here, back to the questions. Do you believe, do you believe in the Son of Man? Or do you believe in the Son of Man's promise, hope? Do you, do you believe in, in the Son of Man? And the, the, the man who had been blind answers, he says, who, who is he, sir? Who is he? Show me that I could believe in him. Tell me so that I could believe in him. And then the beautiful promise of verse 37, Jesus said to him, you have seen him. It's me, it's he, the one who is speaking to you now. And the man said, Lord, I believe and worshiped him. I, I want to maybe offer one more, even less culturally relevant uh, way into this story. All right, but no singing this time, so you can all like take your fingers out of your ears. But I have a picture here. Uh, uh, from Norman Rockwell. This is from uh, 1957. This picture is called Lift Up Thine Eyes, right? Lift Up Thine Eyes. And uh, you can't, I don't know if the uh, graphic is very good there, but you'll see in the center of the frame, all right? So this is a church in New York. Uh, as would have been a common practice, he's putting up uh, the theme from the morning sermon. And, and the line there uh, on that little board at the top of the ladder, right in the center, can you guys see that between the doors? It says, Lift Up thine eyes. Lift up thine eyes. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not an art critic, uh, but interesting sort of what, what happens here in, in this uh, painting. It, it seems clear that uh, Rockwell uh, is, is sort of doing everything he can to kind of draw our eyes up. I mean, like, the majority of the picture is sort of the, this kind of growing sort of empty space that leads us up and out the top of the picture. 
We were talking about it in Zoom before service, and kids, the kids were like, they noticed the birds and, and uh, you know, the, all the people at, at, the, at the bottom. That everything in the picture, kind of maybe we start there at the bottom, but we're just drawn up at the railings, the arches, the ladder, the birds. We're just, we're, we're pulled up, and we're given the sense that all the people in the bottom are missing the point. The, 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 the feeling we get, again, this was 1957, so smartphones weren't around, but you could easily, like, you know, Photoshop smartphones into this photo. Everyone kind of walking the streets of New York, like, you know, head down, nose, nose in a phone. It's a, it's, a, it's a maybe artistic picture of missing the point. And I think in reading this story, Jesus healing the blind man, we, we, see, we see that posture. Uh, it's kind of the default position in our hearts and lives. Eyes to the ground. Our, 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 our perspective is severely limited. Uh, the, the reformers put it like this, that, that they called it being curved in. That, that sin, the label of sin, its definition is this sort of inward curve in our lives that affects so much of what we're able to see. It exists religiously and irreligiously, but, but it is there. I think religiously, it, it creeps into our lives when we begin to maybe think of God and, and we, we, we take our approach to this, uh, you know, good and bad merits and demerits, and we, we just, we pull him right into that same system. And yet, this story tells us that Jesus' grace disrupts all of that. Again, it doesn't belittle sin. The law is still there, right? The, the need for law and goodness and clear lines, all of that is there. And, but, but we kind of stop there. God is the law giver, right? And so that we live in this space of, you know, demerits and merits. And Jesus pulls us into the truth that he's not just the law giver, he's the law fulfiller, that he takes all of that, all of our inability to kind of live up to those clear lines, all of that, he takes all of it upon himself. But when we stay in that space, of just, just the rigidity of uh, the world as we, we, we tend to want to construe it. It can become too scary to look up, to, to kind of open our, our hearts and our eyes to, to grace can be a scary thing. It's a lot easier, as we see in this story, to kind of point out uh, the failings of neighbors, the people around, the eyes down, right? It keeps the scrutiny off of, off of us. But our reading this morning, our reading this morning doesn't let us get away with that. Like this picture, Jesus in this story drawing everybody's eyes up and yours, mine, right? That he, he wants to pull our, our, our vision, our gaze up to see that the, that the one who is speaking to us is here now speaking to you, his words of grace and life grace of the one who would lay his life down, his authority down for the sake of people who would resist his every move and in that act would draw your eyes and mine up. So maybe you're here this morning. We're going to close with a song. Maybe you're here this morning physically or virtually. It's uh, a space we're in. right? Uh, maybe as you sort of take in uh, this story I don't know your, your stories, but maybe you feel the weight of the label sinner. 
Right? Maybe you feel the maybe you feel that this morning. Like 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 the way it's thrown around in our in our story. Questions for you, like, man, what what did I do? Will I ever get over that? Have I blown it? What have I done? The the, the weight of, of, of that label to you is a very real and tangible space in your life. And you've you've gone head down, eyes to the ground. The gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus to you, right, is here this morning for you. That the one speaking to you this morning is the author of grace, right? He's the light in your darkness. And he says to you this morning, under whatever weight you may be carrying, lift up your eyes. You have seen him. Lift up your eyes. But to all of us, I think, maybe that maybe that is not where you are. Maybe, you know, you are instead, perhaps I am instead asking, kind of in this space, kind of asking all the wrong questions, comfortable in our own sense of security, maybe blind to the nature of our own need. To us, the invitation is the same. To you, the invitation is the same. Lift up your eyes and let the help you to see. We Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.